This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome to The Gospel for Life. We, in the business of the holiday seasons, we're not able to all be in the studio, and so what we are doing instead is bringing you some messages. Vinny, my good friend Vinny, is is preached a sermon on John 15, and as we enter this new year, hopefully the truths of this message will edify and strengthen and encourage you as you head into the upcoming year. Jesus gives us three promises. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, is Jesus getting after kind of the magic genie philosophy of prayer requests here? That was a real question. No, no hard questions in here. No. Okay, good. Just, just making sure we're on the same page, okay? Jesus is not telling us that he's like the genie in the lamp. Because he gives us this big preface in the first six verses, and then even here in verse 7. If you abide in me, that is, if you are in Christ, and his words abide in you, you can ask whatever you wish. How can Jesus make this claim to his disciples? Because a funny thing happens when you abide in Christ and His Word abides in you. The things that you wish for change. Your prayer requests become aligned not with your will, but with the Heavenly Father's will. So that Jesus can say to His disciples, if you ask whatever you will, if you abide in Me and My words in you, it will be done for you. That is, when we pray according to the will of the Father, it will be done. Not maybe, not by chance, but there's an assurity that if we will abide in Christ, our prayer life will be revolutionized. By commanding His disciples to abide in Him, Jesus commands them to live in a state of reliance upon Him, to keep His Word active in their minds, and so they pray more for that reliance on Him, and the teaching of His words would cause them to desire it. Because when you abide in Christ and you abide in His words, His words become your prayer requests. Verse 8. Here's another promise that Jesus gives. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. The way to bearing fruit in the life of a Christian is actually inverted from the way the world would have us think we might find success. The way that we bear fruit as Christians is actually to rest in Christ and to spend time in His presence, to spend time abiding in His Word, and as a result of spending time in His presence and in His words, we will then bear fruit. What is the fruit of discipleship? What is the fruit of abiding in Christ? It is repentance of sin. It is faith in Christ. It is walking in righteousness. The promise that Jesus gives us here 
is that we will bear fruit and that God will be glorified and that we will prove we are disciples of Christ as we abide in Him. The meaning of this promise seems to be then that the fruitfulness we produce as Christians will not only bring glory to God, but will also supply the best evidence to our own hearts that we are real disciples of Jesus. Have you ever struggled with doubt? Have you ever worried that maybe your Christianity is just a sham? Verse 8 is the antidote to this. Abiding in Christ, bearing fruit, glorifying God, and thereby proving your discipleship. Oftentimes when we're faced with doubt about our faith, we do what? We get to work. We try to do more. We try to work our way out of it. But Jesus seems to say the answer is the opposite of this. That if we abide in Him and His words in, in us, then we will produce fruit, proving our discipleship. The third promise Jesus gives here in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. The disciple who makes a diligent effort to observe Jesus' command to abide in Him, that is to say, by the grace of God, that we strive to fulfill the commands of Christ and daily please Him, that we will continually enjoy a sense of Christ's love in our soul. Listen to the verse. Abide in my love. Verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. As Jesus perfectly obeyed the Father, and experienced a sense of the Father's love constantly upon Himself, as we will strive to obey Christ, that is to live daily in obedience to Him, we will have an internal sense of Christ's love with us. Again, have you ever not only doubted your faith, but maybe you've doubted that God loves you? What seems to be the antidote to that? Abiding in Christ's commands. Resting in Christ. What's usually our antidote? The same. We get to work. We doubt God loves us, and so we try really, really hard to make ourselves lovable to Him. You know what that's called? Religion. Man or humanity is working their way up to God. What does Christ actually call us to? Resting in Him. Experiencing the truth and beauty of God's grace. These are all promises that if we will abide in Christ, that is learned to live with a healthy rhythm of rest and work by abiding in Christ, we'll experience these promises. Our prayer life will be full of answers. God will be glorified and our lives will bear fruit. And we will experience a deep and abiding sense of Christ's love upon us. Now I mentioned earlier that there are some heavy words here in John 15, and there are. Go back, if you will, to verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me... He is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. That's a heavy warning, yeah? It's also a promise that those who are not truly connected to Christ will be cut off. That is, if you're here in this place just faking it, just coming to make somebody else happy, just coming to do the religious work, just coming hoping to fill your religious score sheet, that that is not a real connection to Christ. 
and that eventually you will fall away. Because just as the branch that's cut off from the vine can have the illusion of life but is really dead on the inside, so too is the individual who plays at church, who pursues religious work for the sake of a good reputation or favor among men. We must, we must, we must abide or rest in Christ alone. Back up to verse 4. Abide in me and I in you, for as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 6 serves as a warning to each and every one of us. It must be, be, we must be certain that we are not playing at religion, but abiding in real relationship in Christ. So how can we put this shape into practice? How can we take the semicircle, the rhythm of life of working and resting, and what can we do practically to ensure that we're living as a disciple of Jesus, that is growing in his character and conduct? Well, let me give you some examples. In 1 John 2.6, we have this command from John the Apostle. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. Simple, beautiful picture of discipleship, yeah? That is to say, if we're going we're gonna to say that we are remaining in Christ as disciples, then our lives should look like Jesus's. So what was Jesus' example of rest and work? Here, let me give you a list really quick. This is all out of the Gospel of Mark. In Mark chapter 2, verse 13, as Jesus begins his ministry, he starts alone at the lake before teaching. Resting and spending time in the presence of his heavenly Father before he goes out and teaches. In Mark chapter 3, verse 7, he withdraws with his disciples to a desolate place to spend time praying and in community with them. In Mark chapter 3, verse 13, he goes up to the mountainside and calls his disciples to be with him. Jesus has a mountainside retreat with his disciples. In Mark chapter 4, verse 35, get this, Jesus leaves the crowds and gets into a boat to sail away from them. Let's imagine, imagine this room was full to the brim, standing room only. That's when Jesus left. Revival's breaking out. He has gotten people's attention. Things are happening. And that's when he withdraws to rest. When the temptation is the strongest to work himself to exhaustion, he steps back and rests. Mark 5, verse 1, Jesus is again seen at the lakeside and at the hillside resting with his disciples. And then Mark 6, 45 and 46, Jesus sends his disciples ahead of him. He dismisses the crowd and he goes up a mountainside to pray and spend time alone. So if Jesus modeled examples of resting and then working, that is working from rest, how can we practically do that? Yeah, here, here's some rhythms that I've tried to live in over the last five years. Uh, number one, uh, devote yourself daily. Developing a daily rhythm of devotion to Christ. Okay? Uh, maybe in the 90s you were a Christian, we call these quiet times. Okay? If you tell that to a preschool, they freak out. Right? They're like, I don't want a quiet time. But as a Christian, like having a quiet time or a daily devotional is, is a vital way that we abide in Christ. This is a daily time of connection with Christ. This can include Bible reading, prayer, uh, singing. It can include silence. If you think about your day in three eight-hour chunks, the first eight hours you might dedicate to sleep, the second eight hours you can dedicate to work, and then you can commit to four hours of engaging and four hours of disengaging. 
and finding time within that day to connect with Christ devotionally. A couple great books, Paul Tripp's New Morning Mercies. This is an excellent 365-day devotional, really short, take you two to five minutes to read each day. And then if you like uh, classic liturgy, you want something a little more robust, there's a book called Be Thou My Vision. The author's name escapes me, but it's a 31-day family worship and, and individual worship liturgy. Like if you want classic, old-school, reformed worship in your devotional time, book called Be Thou My Vision. I've got both of those if you'd like to see a sample of them. But devoting yourself daily is a way that we abide in Christ. Uh, secondly, Sabbath weekly. That is, you take one whole day each week dedicated to worship and rest. For many of you, this will be a natural rhythm like Sunday morning. You can get up, you can come to church, uh, maybe you go out to lunch and enjoy the communion fellowship, and then Sunday afternoon and evening are just downtime. For others, maybe you work on Sundays, and so you've got to find a different day to dedicate to worship and rest, where you just, you're just committed to being present in Christ and not doing much. Whatever it is, finding one whole day each week. I would encourage you with this. Before the fall ever happened, God instituted rest in creation. Third practical application is retreat quarterly. Retreat quarterly. These are regular times of celebration and retreat to establish a biblical pattern of rest and work so that a dull routine does not take over. Uh, this, can work, this can look like just specific uh, times in the calendar about once a quarter that you choose just to celebrate and retreat. Uh, again, financially, maybe it doesn't look like you've got the money to get away for a whole weekend every quarter. Uh, maybe it's just you decide to just take a down, a longer Sabbath. You take two days that weekend. You take both days to just to rest and be down and examine your life over the last three months. But retreating quarterly, 